Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People connects people who've experienced the trauma of a positive SCI diagnosis to mental health resources. I don't know where that pause came from, <laughs> but uh, I'm also hungover. Yesterday was my birthday. I am 32 years old. I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there supporting this podcast. If you are a listener, you can follow me on social media at H on my chest, specifically Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And you can join the Something Positive for Positive People podcast community, which is at like 28 people right now. I am only announcing that on the podcast. I'm not promoting it anywhere else. I'm not telling people who message me. Like if you listen to the podcast, the common ground is that you heard one of these recent episodes where I talk about there being a group solely for the purpose of people who listen to this podcast connecting. This podcast episode is going to touch on the number one dating site for people who have HSV. I polled, uh, it wasn't a poll, I just asked Instagram uh, what the best dating site was and a few different resources came up of course some of the well-known popular ones and then some of the less common ones and then there's the one that I was actually looking for that came up and I'm gonna let you know about that and why uh first I want to just share uh that I am so appreciative of all of the happy birthday wishes and the thoughtful messages that I've received it was overwhelming I don't know that I saw all of them um I was trying to minimize my screen time. I wanted for my 32nd birthday to be a reflection of something that I've really struggled to let go of um, over the years. And when that thing, that thing that I've tried to let go of or that I thought I let go of or I thought didn't even impact me at all, it does. And it has. Around my birthday every year, I get really weird, and the only thing to really take my mind off of whatever that weird feeling has been was me being around other people. 2020 has been a year where we can't congregate in large groups. I mean, we can, but we shouldn't. And so uh, I had an excuse to do that, to be alone and really sit with this feeling that I thought that I addressed last year and the year before, which was about my grandmother. So my grandmother on my dad's side, so my dad's mother, um, she was a very important role in my life in coming to be. Um, and I probably shouldn't know the story, but I mentioned it on the last podcast episode and because I didn't redo it and cut that out or edit it at all, it's there. So I feel like I should probably elaborate on that a little bit more. So uh, my mother had me when she was 18. Her and my dad were both, uh, I guess she got pregnant at 17. And my mother's parents at the time, they wanted her to have an abortion. So uh, my mom left and went to my grandmother's on my dad's side place. And she stay with her my grandmother like talked to her and kept her grounded like I don't know everything about the story but I know enough to have drawn the conclusion and so objectively um it like I felt like my grandmother on my dad's side was directly the reason why I'm here and so ironically 13 years after my conception um my grandmother had passed away she had I don't really know 
know, there's a there's a bunch of shit around that. But uh, she passed away at on my 13th birthday. No, she didn't pass away on my 13th birthday. Her funeral was my 13th birthday. And I remember this day so vividly, like leading up to it. I remember where I was when I found out she died. I lived at 1706 Dow Drive in Delwood, Missouri. I was in the bathtub. I was taking a bath. And I remember my mom was crying. And she told me my grandma died. And I remember uh, just being in the tub. And when she told me, I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I really processed it. Um, I remember hearing it. And then I remember going to the wake and the funeral. I looked in the wake in the casket. And I was like, ain't my fucking grandma. I kind of laughed. I was like, that ain't her. And... I, th- I think I was in, like, this denial stage for a while. I remember riding in the limo. I remember my aunt losing it, crying. I remember my dad hearing him cry for the first time. And it was just a chaotic day across the board. And it was my birthday, of course, you know, and it was recognized. But I didn't want anyone to acknowledge that it was my birthday didn't want that to happen I um we we finish the services we go back to my dad's place and that's where the family was the family went over to my dad's house and we um ate and talked and all of that stuff and somebody was like yeah look Courtney come out here and I'm little Courtney because my dad's Courtney and I got chills of discomfort when they had this cake. There was a cake there, and everyone was saying happy birthday, and I just don't, oh, man, I like, I'm getting fucking eerie feelings thinking about it. It's like, you just buried my grandmother, and you're singing happy birthday to me like nothing's wrong. And metaphorically, like, this is how various communities have to navigate this kind of thing. You have to act like nothing's going on in order to get by. Um, But that's a whole different conversation. I'm going to let this one be about me. So I remember fucking blowing out the candles. I remember my great-grandmother was uh, at the head of the table. I can probably name about a dozen family members who were all there. And just the attention was, it it was freezing. Like, I, I froze. And so when that day was over um that was it you know my birthdays between then and maybe what was I when I moved to Houston I was maybe 26 I had a great birthday we just went to we got drunk and we went to like uh an EDM type club and I just danced jumped around and was drunk and sweated and sang the words to songs that I didn't know all night and that was probably one of my best birthdays because I was around a lot of people and distracted and under the influence and I didn't have to think about you know the fact that this was something that had bothered me and I didn't know that it bothered me I just knew that I as far back as I can remember didn't really like my birthday and I know that I got really agitated easily annoyed easily angry um these were all things that i would feel leading up to my birthday probably starting around the end of september because my mom's birthday is at the end of september so it's like after that ends it's like my birthday's coming up now and i didn't like talking about it i don't like making plans for it none of that 
and I, I, I have good memories on my birthdays, but I know that this has been something that I've avoided, like thinking about the feelings that come up when I think about my grandmother. Last year, um, when I turned 31, I acknowledged it and I thought that I let it go. And it turns out I was really just avoiding it. Um, and as you, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know that there's a difference between avoidance and letting go. And that's what I was doing. I was avoiding it. Uh, this year, I couldn't. I've been by myself more this year than I have my entire life. And it's been honestly pleasant. I, I feel a little hint of guilt for how good I've been doing throughout 2020. And I'm you know, even working on letting that go. So yesterday being my 32nd birthday, I wanted to, now that I have the knowledge and I've been in therapy and I understand the importance of looking at and expressing emotion, I wanted to be able to honor my grandmother because I haven't. I've, you know, denied that she's even gone, that she's not even here. And that shows up in so many different ways and it's only around this time of year now mind you today is november 11th my birthday is november 10th so now that it's passed it's passed so like the feelings would just be gone for whatever reason so yesterday i decided i was going to take myself out um, to dinner i wanted to go to this cajun food restaurant here in st louis broadway oyster bar shout out to them um and it's cajun seafoods fucking bomb y'all it's bomb so, I've been there before, and I've only been for the live music, but, um, you know, pandemic and all, they're just uh, serving food. They did have two guys performing on stage, and the seating was all social distance, and it was outdoors underneath one of those, like, um, like how you cover the outdoor patio and you just put some heaters up or something. It, it was like that, so it was comfortable. Um, all day, I was making an effort to talk myself out of going to this place. I was like, man, that's a $15 Uber ride because I sold my car. I don't have my car anymore. Um, and it's unnecessary. I can just cook at home. I can just order in. I could go somewhere closer. And I just felt this voice in the back of my head just like trying to talk me out of going. So throughout the day, I'm getting phone calls and text messages and uh, messages from people um, saying happy birthday and just like reminding me that this is it's my birthday. Um, a few of the messages, a few, and this is not a coincidence, said something along the lines of, thank you for your existence, thank you for being here, I'm so happy that you are here, and these kinds of messages, like, sent something through my back, and I've looked up, like, the spiritual significance or what emotions are stored along the upper back, and something came up about like feeling like we don't belong here or not having a right to be here. Uh, something along those lines. I don't remember the exact wording, but that shit hit me hard considering the backstory of, you know, essentially my mother's parents advocating or fighting for my mother to have gotten an abortion. And then for my grandmother to have essentially like, I don't know, but I can only imagine like protecting my mom from her parents, right? So as I as I, you know, sat through and read those messages, it was like, 
okay, I, I need to do this. I really need to honor and look at, you know, the experiences that I had with my grandmother. And the here's one of the signs that took place that I, uh, <laughs> that I was on the right track. My grandfather, my dad's dad, who was at one point married to my grandmother, I'm speaking of, he had called me, and I miss his call. We, I always talk to him on Sundays. I call him on Sundays, or we miss each other, and we don't hear from each other for a while. But um, I, I noticed I had a missed call from him, so I picked up. I hurried up and called him right back, and he was like, where you at? I was like, oh, I'm at home. He was like, I'm about to come over and see you. I was like, what? My grandfather lives in Philadelphia, <laughs> and he just happens to be in St. Louis. I ain't giving me no kind of heads up he was going to be here. Um, he always calls me on my birthday. He knows when it's my birthday, but... He was just in St. Louis from Philadelphia. <clears throat> and so uh, he comes over and we are talking for a bit. He's like, yeah, how you feeling? How old are you? What, 30? I was like, I'm 32. <laughs> so as we're sitting there and we're talking, I just decided to tell him. I said, I get really weird, frustrated, annoyed, something around the time of my birthday every year. And I think I know why now. Like, I think it has to do with my grandmother's funeral having been on my 13th birthday. I don't know if you remember that or not. And he just looked at me. He was like, boy, you was her heart. You know that? I was like, yeah, probably because I was the firstborn. And he was like, nah, she had to fight for you. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, I, I run my mouth too much. And then changed the subject. I was like, you motherfucker, man. <laughs> so that was the end of that part of the conversation. The rest of the conversation is completely irrelevant to the story. But uh, that was something that really validated the, uh, the the story that my mom told me. My mom told me everything. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have lunch with her today. And we'll talk uh, more about it, I guess, um, as a way of me being able to really let this go. <clears throat> I talked to my mom's dad, um, I think before that, and I told him the same thing. I was like, you know, I get real worried about the, around the time of my grandmother's, um, well, my birthday, which is the same day of my grandmother's funeral. And um, he was just telling me, yeah, uh, he had like a similar experience with someone uh, in his own life. And it was really validating to hear that as well. You know, I mean, I didn't address him or call him out being like, yeah, you want my mom to get an abortion. Like, and that's unnecessary to me. Um, perhaps that's a conversation for another day, maybe even in person. But I get it. I understand, you know, the embarrassment of your only child, your daughter and her having um, sex, especially unprotected sex, especially out of wedlock and all that, you know, traditional stuff that uh, takes place. And all of this, like backstory like even as I'm saying it now it really contributes to why it is so important to me to continue to facilitate whatever it is that's happening through something positive for positive people uh, because it does touch on these kinds of things especially in the black community you know all the shame and secrecy and embarrassment that comes from decisions that are made just due to a lack of resources or an absence of resources or um, education even. So, I mean, imagine, yeah, if my mom had more resources in education, she probably would have been on birth control and I would have just had to be here another way or wouldn't be here at all, whatever the case may be. But it's the, 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 the 
importance of that accessibility, like being able to make the choices because abortion wouldn't even been on the table had access to these resources been available. Um, and, and if she had the education to make whatever decision she needed to make for herself, none of that would have even happened. And, you know, perhaps this shapes how I view my grandparents now, too, because um, I've known this story for a while and I know that I don't treat my grandparents like most people treat their grandparents. My my dad's mom got the best of me um, compared to my mom's parents. And I know that I, I recognize that now. It's just that I notice it in my behavior with the frequency of calls. I call my grandmother all the time. And like with my grandparents now, I think like I'll, I can hear from them once a month and be okay. And, you know, just having gone through what events occurred yesterday and letting this go, I, um, I recognize that I can do that. Like I'm, I'm in a much more empowered place. So let me, I guess, finish what else I'm trying to say so that I can get to what everybody came here for. <laughs> um, my trip to the restaurant, I, uh, I knew what I wanted because I looked at the menu at like 10 a.m. I was like, yeah, I'm eating this. I'm going to get the crab cakes. I'm going to get the voodoo shrimp and I'm going to get the shrimp and grits or this like sampler of uh, their gumbo, red beans and rice, jambalaya, and um, uh, there's like a crawfish bisque or something or fine, fine, something Cajun. I don't remember. So I get to the restaurant and I'm seated. I'm close to the stage so I can see the live band perform and I ordered myself a drink and I ordered the two appetizers, the crab cakes and the voodoo shrimp. So uh, and I, I look at the crab cakes and I see what looks like an onion ring at the bottom of the crab cake. So it's like a crab cake piled on top of an onion ring. So I take my fork and my knife and I cut through the middle of it and I put a piece of it in my mouth and I bite into it and there's like crab cake texture and then crunchy texture and my fucking eyes start watering y'all like i'm about to cry when i bite into this crab cake yes it was that good but also this taste was so familiar before i even could think the words i knew what it was it was green tomatoes fried green tomatoes were at the bottom of these crab cakes my grandmother would always make fried green tomatoes. I did not see fried green tomatoes when I was ordering the food, when I looked at the menu uh, online, when I looked at the menu when I got there. But fried green tomatoes were on these fucking crab cakes, and I didn't even know, and I felt compelled to get these crab cakes. So I, I bite into it, and I'm like fighting tears because I don't want to cry in the restaurant. Yes, yeah, my birthday, and I'm, <laughs> I had my one drink. I'm a lightweight now, so I'm just like fighting this tear from rolling down my eye. And I just, I felt such a sense of peace to just like have had that. And I, I went and looked at the menu again to make sure. And sure enough, like at the end of the line where it's describing the crab cakes, green fried green tomato. My grandmother loved these things, and she she cook them all the time. <laughs> I remember, uh, like, what you making, Grandma? Oh, I'm about to make some fried green tomatoes, and I I didn't think I liked them at the time, but like that shit hit different when you got certain memories associated to uh, to it. And so I I enjoyed these crab cakes. I enjoyed the fried green tomato. I enjoyed the symbolism that came with them, 
and just how like how at peace I was. I felt like everything throughout the day that happened led me to that point of clarity that like I don't I don't fucking know what happens in the afterlife or if I even believe in the afterlife. Like in my mind we're all God. God came here and was like, you know what, I'm gonna create this environment and had to like walk through every step of every being's existence because the concept of time, space and reality don't apply to the uh universe or God or infinite, whatever it is you wanna call it. And essentially we are like all alone but we have the experience or the illusion of interaction um and we just kind of forget that in our human form but yeah if you want to talk about that more like invite me on your uh spiritual podcast we can go real deep there um but yeah i have a whole bunch of like hypothetical beliefs about that but it was just like even though she's not here she like put something in me like planted a seed or watered a seed or it's like looked out for me because I mean even when she died like she left uh my well everybody my in my immediate family that was close to her and her will and we all like got money and whatnot but it was like that was probably the first time I recognized it like damn my grandma ain't even here and she looking out for me and here I am at 32 you know I was 13 when she um or 12 when she had passed away and even all these years later, you know, I get a little sign or something that's like, no, nah, you ain't, you, you, I'm, I'm still with you some kind of way. And this woman was with me from conception to <laughs> I'm 32. Like her physical presence is not here anymore, but like she lives through me. And I can honestly say that now, you know, I realize that my grandmother while my grandmother might have had, you know, her own health issues, mental health stuff that she was going on, she had going on, like I also learned that she was a business owner. And I learned that, you know, she she made sacrifices to pass the baton to her offspring, her seed, so that we can make it a little bit further than she did. And I feel that, like that that really charges me and it makes me feel makes me feel really powerful it makes me feel very uh it makes me feel like i belong here that's what it makes me feel like it really makes me feel like that those ideas of you know the feelings of not belonging or having to constantly prove that i do belong here and prove my worth through being good quote unquote and making my own like sacrifices of I want to do toxic shit. In fact, I do do toxic shit. Y'all just don't know about it. Um, <clears throat> some of it's fun. Some of it hurts people. I don't want to hurt people, but I just feel now that this rationalizes for me my constant need to be liked, my constant need to be accepted. And tying this into my herpes diagnosis, because again, you know, my therapist was like, I don't think you've accepted your herpes diagnosis. And I was like, man, if you, <laughs> and here we are even now, like I'm coming up with this stuff on my own. Like my therapist wasn't there in that moment. He set the foundation by saying, Hey, go do something for yourself. Like celebrate and the successes. I let him know about my grandma and everything. And his, his words were just to go be by myself. 
like do something alone. And I think that that created the space for me to welcome in something that's already been there and just had like a faint whisper in my consciousness of, hey, think about your grandma, like you deserve to be here. And that being sort of the activating link for me to make the connection. Because I do deserve to be here. You know, anyone who's here deserves to be here. You don't know the backstory. You don't know what happened before you were born or before you were conceived. You don't know the relationship dynamic between uh, your parents or grandparents and what they were dealing with in their environment and the society that they grew up in, what's acceptable, not acceptable, what kind of shame was there. None of that matters because we're here. And as I mentioned in relation to my herpes diagnosis and how I feel about rejection, you can't tell me shit at this point. Because the ultimate rejection would have been, at that point, ejection. Oh my God, that is a terrible thing to say, but it's the reality of it. There are things worse to me than being rejected. And in fact, like I can even flip it to me being rejected being the best thing that could happen to me or happen to a person. Why? Because of the kinds of situations that you may avoid throughout your existence. Shit. Imagine being rejected by somebody who is abusive or like I could have grown up in an unloving household, I guess, where I was rejected by my parents on a regular basis. But, you know, they just could beat the shit out of me or neglect me or torture me or whatever it is that. Fortunately, I would never know to be something that could have happened to me. In order for a light to shine as bright, I think that it has to have a willingness at least to explore its darkest shadows. And to be able to say the statement out loud, my grandparents didn't want me or that my mom contemplated, you know, the idea of not having me, that's pretty fucking dark my mom and i have an amazing relationship so we we can talk about this we do we have talked about this and i know where her head was at i know what her intentions were otherwise i wouldn't be here (laughs) to argue this right so i have this in me to defy this idea that i don't belong here My response to that being, prove it. Prove you belong here. I ain't got to prove shit, (laughs) first of all. And this is something that I've had to learn through life. Through looking at these things that most people are afraid of looking at. Because when you look at them, you can heal them. There's an inherent desire to either run the fuck away from it or put the pieces back together. And I'll say this again. You know, we're all mirrors for each other. And the clearer my mirror can be for you, the more of yourself you can see and decide, okay, there's a little bit of a smidge there. Let me let me address that. And you can clear up your mirror for others. And that's what we are to one another on this plane of existence. Like in reality, this is how we serve each other. We do this. We, we show one another who we really are. And that's like the ultimate gift you can give to a person. That's the ultimate intimacy to be seen by someone else. And to see yourself in another person or to be experienced, to be known. Like that's the most, that's why we're here. To experience and be experienced with one another. And so I'm letting go. 
I'm letting go of this idea that I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. And that's been an uncovered, unchallenged belief that I've held in my subconscious. And that's why I can't I can't let something like a fucking herpes diagnosis keep me from dating or living my life or socializing or being around people or just fucking doing what I want to do. This will not be the thing that holds me back. The only thing that can hold me back is me. And that's what's been happening from the time I was 13. I just didn't fucking know it. And the more I learned about the shadow and the unconscious mind and our belief systems and how we challenge them with our behaviors, the more I believe it. And the more I can persuade other people to be willing to look at this themselves. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, don't let herpes define you, don't let this hold you back. But if you have such deep down values and beliefs within you that you're not even aware of or that you're aware of and you choose not to look at, I can't help you. I can't, I can't, I will not be able to do it for you. I will not invest the energy into trying to convince you to, to look at something that you are able to see, but just don't want to look at because there's someone out there right now who is looking at it and just doesn't know what to do. They don't know how to interpret it. They don't know what it means. They don't have the guidance. They don't have the resources. So it's important to me to invest more of my energy into resources that are going to connect me and uh, something positive for positive people, even resources to these people so that they can heal. This is about healing. This ain't about feeling sorry for yourself. It's not about comparing yourself to other people. This is your individual journey. My individual journey, like I, I put this on display throughout the podcast episodes. So if you've been sticking around, you've been listening, then I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for allowing yourself to see yourself. Herpes in itself can be a trigger word, it is a trigger word for us as people who have tested positive and found this podcast. But it doesn't have to be. You know? A trigger is just something worth looking at. It doesn't mean bad thing. It doesn't mean good thing. It means it means, hey, there's there's something here being activated worth looking at. So when you find yourself in a triggered state, in my case it was being weird around my birthday go deeper okay well what is it that happened around my birthday what was it my grandmother's funeral one year okay well what's the connection there why do i hold on to these feelings well ultimately it comes down to anger at my mom's parents for not wanting me here and then it comes down to sadness because the one person who really really wanted me here is gone I don't have that anymore. The healing, the clarity that came from the healing was biting into that crab cake with the green tomato and the fried green tomato underneath it. And that was just like my, my grandmother winked at me. That's what that was. Like I got the wink from an angel in that moment. And just like felt this sense of peace and acceptance and like I can trust myself. Y'all, I don't know how to... I can't say this enough. 2021 for something positive for positive people is about to be the shit. You know, 
And that's because I trust myself more now than I did before this happened. And even leading up to this, you know, I kind of wavered back and forth on whether or not I could trust myself. And here I am with this final validation of this thing that I've held on to that occurred before I was even born. That was just kind of in me and then activated when I was 13. And I'm here just now being able to look at and heal it at 32. I just cleaned my mirror and the smudges on it so that I can best show you who you are, show you yourself through my existence. And I no longer feel the need to prove it, prove that I deserve to be here. Because you do, I do, you do, we all do. And we ain't got to prove that shit to anybody. Our very existence is validation that we deserve to be here where we are. Which is a very good segue into the number one dating site for people with herpes. Being wherever the fuck you are. Wherever you choose. However you choose to interact with and engage with people. Because you will see yourself. Through the experiences of other people. You'll come to know yourself as you interact with other people. So your best dating resource or website, whatever, is going to be what you interact with, who you interact with, how you interact with it, and your perception of it, your interpretation of what it means in regards to your identity and who you are. We know about the main what dating sites. I don't have to say any of their names because they're not, at this point, like, y'all gonna have to pay me to mention y'all. If y'all come up in an interview, like, I'll let it slide, but for, at this point, for me to mention your name, you're gonna, you gonna have to make a donation, you're gonna have to come up with some kind of partnership, but the dating sites that work best for people are the ones where the people, consistently, at least, where the people are confident in themselves, have a sense of self to the point where they can go on there and just date. It's not about the herpes because herpes with dating with herpes is just like dating. So there is no number one dating site for people with herpes. Is your mind blown yet? <laughs> know yourself, see yourself where you show up. This is where your options are. This is where you choose and are chosen. There's no, I, I, I have beef with a particular dating site. Um, we don't need to go into their name because I'm sure y'all already know the one that I'm talking about because in my experience, I'm going to share my experience with it and you yours may be different. When I first got there, it was great. I think that this type of dating site is great for people to find, connect with, and f coming from a place of being diagnosed and told that, oh, everybody has herpes. 
and then you not knowing a single fucking person who has herpes, finding a dating site for people who have herpes and seeing the number right there on the homepage, how many millions of people are on that website gives you a sense of comfort, like ah, relief. I can just get on here and it'll take all my troubles away. Oh, if I want to interact with people, it'll be $30 a month unless I sign up for a longer term contract. And then uh, I'm, I'm paying to message people back and forth for however many, however much time. And it's just like a pool of, of that. That's your, that's your dating pool now. Because now this appears to be your only option because no one's telling you otherwise. And when you go into the resources that they have, it even seems limited from my perspective at least, because whenever I get into that positive shit or whenever I try to say what I'm saying here on this podcast and I try to spread this message to the audience that it is designed for, intended for, the same audience where I found that there were people blogging about wanting to kill themselves, this is where my voice is limited. This is where like I go from, if I just say, man, having herpes sucks, I get... 200 plus views on one of those kinds of blog posts but then when i go hey there's these resources out there if you go to instagram and you search the hashtag herpes you'll find all these support pages you can find support groups you can find additional information you can find community support air local um local resources in your area and just other options you don't have to live in this cave this this exclusive pool where you have to pay money to maybe find someone who may be interested in you who may be compatible who may be close to you those kinds of things get like eight views and it seems like once they find that i've posted something like that i'm cut off and i've seen the same thing happen in some different herpes support groups where if i post some positive stuff if i post some uplifting hey guys you know I'm learning that sexual health and mental health have a very powerful connection. So if you want to connect with mental health resources, I encourage it. That kind of shit gets reported as spam and self-promotion. And I'm cut off from being able to speak in regards to anything that doesn't uphold and perpetuate stigma in a way that makes people feel dependent on whatever that environment is that they're in. Again, I want to make this clear. That is a great resource to have right away because immediately you get a sense of comfort. Solely relying on that resource, solely, you know, being there and there's no, there doesn't seem to be, at least at the time I was on there, any intention of getting people off of the site. People who come there, who people who are on exclusive dating HSV sites or exclusive HSV dating sites still have whatever issues that went unaddressed prior to their diagnosis. There is still a possibility of abuse. There's still the possibility of manipulation. There's still a possibility of being ghosted, not being collab uh, compatible not wanting kids versus someone who does. And then we get into these places where we don't quite know what we want, so we're willing to, quote, improvise. And that improvisation can be so heavily amplified by the fact that we have a positive HSV status and we think no one's ever going to be with us. We feel like our options are limited to just another person with herpes who just will look at us or acknowledge our existence. We can't navigate life on a day-to-day -day basis trying to 
prove that we're it's worth us being here. We cannot live our lives that way. We should not live our lives that way. <clears throat> and this environment has been set up systemically, really. I mean, it's a system. You know, doctors diagnose us and send us on our way to find whatever we find. And when you Google uh, herpes or you Google how am I going to date with herpes, these are the first things that pop up. Oh, join our website. There's a, we got a million people on here. And if you pay us $30 a month, then you can message them. And if you can't, then you hope... Good luck. <laughs> Good luck getting messaged by somebody who is paying. And I just, I have a problem with there not being any, seemingly on the surface, any intention of giving people the tools that they need in order to navigate the stigma. And I say that because that is exactly what Something Positive for Positive People is doing. I don't care about ending stigma. I damn sure don't want to see it being upheld uh, to where it perpetuates the people who are even on these sites who openly say, like, I want to kill themselves. What resources are being provided to these people who are struggling with their mental health? Oh, here's a dating site. Just pay us $30 a month. We'll take all your troubles away by uh, you maybe matching with someone and meeting them, and then they'll take your troubles away. It puts It puts a lot of the burden of healing onto the individual who may not even recognize that they're hurt. Or the individual who's not willing to, or unable to, or incapable of just looking and seeing themselves in the way that we all should see ourselves. Just as a human. See what needs to be healed. Like we have scars. We have scrapes and scratches and smudges on our, our mirrors. And it takes for us to come into contact with resources and people who are going to show us that and give us the tools to Deal with it. Heal with it. So for me to be able to come into that space, and like I said, you know, I've connected with a lot of people. I've connected with groups off of and through there. Uh, thank God. Because I don't know. I don't know that I would have been able to or willing to wean myself off of this drug because it was a drug to me. I like myself significantly more around this group of people who knew I had herpes that were complete strangers to me than I did around the people who I grew up with, who I played football with, who I saw every day. And had I not been willing to look at that and challenge that, I probably would have still been, I would have been way deeper in that addiction. Because it's addicting to be able to go and get yourself validated by people who are, you know, in the same boat as you and comfortable being in the same boat as you. How far are we going to go, though? You know, that's that's not that's not what my grandmother would have wanted for me. My grandmother would have wanted me to challenge that. She would have wanted me to continue to challenge the challenges that I'm facing. I'm not a victim, you know, even probably when I was in my mom's belly, you know, there was something instilled in me from my grandma that made me fight, fight for love or fight to, you know, kick and let her know hey i'm here i'm here i'm alive hey hey just just let me come out <laughs> just this is me trying to tie this all together in a reasonable way but i did enjoy and appreciate all of the different responses that i got in regards to this dating site uh because i'm not the only person who feels that 
dating sites exclusive to people with herpes perpetuate stigma. And to me, the pillars of stigma reside right there at the intersection of sexual health and mental health. That's where stigma is. And until we find a way to bring the two together through resources like Something Positive for Positive People, we're going we're gonna to be stuck here. Flat out. Like, the people who listen to this podcast, who engage with the resources, we are the ones who are exposing and shining a light to that intersection. Because this is where we intervene. We intervene at, at, at the point of mental and sexual health because we can directly say through our experiences that getting a positive diagnosis changed us. It did something to us. Whereas the CDC doesn't recommend HSV testing at all because when you, if a person tests positive, their behavior doesn't change. That's bullshit to me. And I cannot prove it because I don't have enough people who are willing to step up and say that. And I also don't know, like, this is going to be a long-term type study and all of that. And I, I don't have the money, the resources to do it. I got the energy for it, <laughs> but um, we ain't there yet. I got to do one thing at a time. That's another idea. Like, I really want to challenge that because it's just basically, again, it's another pillar of stigma holding this up. Like, oh, everybody has herpes. Okay, well, if everybody has herpes, why is there a stigma? Why are we the minority being picked on in the media um, by SNL, by the Tinder blog, by other people who just feel like it's okay to make these fucking herpes jokes that trigger a person's mental health state into a negative place. Like, I've done surveys where people have said that they've attempted suicide because of their herpes diagnosis, who have been in a deep, dark depression because of their herpes diagnosis, who have been in... in who've cut themselves, who've hurt themselves, who obsessively drink and do drugs because of their herpes diagnosis. And this goes beyond herpes, of course. Like, it expands into uh, sex education and our sexual health and, like, our access to education and resources in our community. Like, look at me and my, like, my, how my mom was. My mom didn't have access to birth control, or maybe she did, but, you know, her parents weren't going to let her. And this is one of those community things. This is how we, this is how children are brought up and raised and talked to about sex and their sexual health and the fact that, you know, things have to be done in the dark. Something's going to eventually get out. So we have to be able and willing to look at ourselves we have to see ourselves we have to be willing to heal ourselves otherwise we're going to do this this trauma bond that's a new word for me trauma bonding where you know it's a fucking dating pool of trauma bonding we've gone through the trauma of an sti diagnosis let's fuck let's let's meet let's be together and i i'm like i said i indulged in the shit when i found it i was happy to fly to new york fly people to st louis be in Texas, take long drives. That was, I was there. But I very easily could have just gotten stuck. And there was just a call in me to something more, to something different. When I saw how many people wanted to take their lives. And I, I guess it like, now that I've done this healing through my exploration of um, my relationship with my grandmother and my mom and my family, 
I now understand more why I get angry when a person hints at suicide at not being here anymore because that's somebody else's fucking spot. Like, why'd you take this spot if you don't want it? And I, I, don't, I don't care how cruel that is. Like I said, I'm not fighting for people's approval anymore. Like, it angers me when a person says they want to commit suicide. My mom said it. My sister said it. And it angers me. I know people who have committed suicide. I know survivors of suicide. And I feel for them. Because they were taken from. This episode got way darker than it was supposed to. But, uh, yeah, closing this out. The number one dating site for people with herpes has actually been shown to be Instagram. (laughs) Because I think personally, like, that's our vehicles of self-expression. We put ourselves on display for others to see us. And it draws people in. And we see ourselves through these uh, herpes dating site, I'm sorry, the uh, herpes posts and pages and resources, these people who are creating what they needed, and it's fucking beautiful, people are creating what they needed at the time of their diagnosis for others to find it at their point of their diagnosis, and we're connecting with each other, like that may be the spark of the flame, but whatever it is that fuels us, the 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 metaphorical gasoline in us is our, our personalities, our values, boundaries, hobbies, interests, curiosities. That's where we that's where we burn bright and we can merge flames through that kind of connection. So herpes is the spark, the gasoline or lighter fluids, whatever. That's all the other things that come with that. Not just our traumas, but our, our healing, our personalities, our character, who we are. See what happens when you put yourself out there. When you put yourself out there, you challenge yourself to see yourself. You challenge yourself to be seen by others. And the more comfortable you get with that, any dating site can be the number one dating site for you. Herpes aside, again, dating with herpes is just like dating. Don't limit yourself. Be willing to see yourself. Be willing to step into those dark corners of your mind and your existence and your shadows. And know that when when you come out of that bitch, you're the light. That's what happens. You walk through the shadows and you learn that you're the light. You don't look for a light. You are the light. And being in the shadows is what teaches us that. I'm going to go ahead and just close this out here. I think that this was um, useful to someone. I hope that this message does reach you and that it reaches you at the right time and it reaches you in the right way. Closing out like I normally do just does not fit right here at all. But I feel like I need to say it to be consistent. Till next time, stay six positive.